Greetings, family and friends. First, a bit about myself and my family for those who do not know me or have not had a chance to catch up with me recently. Well, in fact, quite a number of change for the family. Uh, we can call it a change of status. First, my son Joel. He's right now a full-time ministry staff with Christian Fellowship at SUTD. He just got married. So I welcome a new uh, addition to my family, my daughter-in-law, Hui Qi. Next, my daughter, Jasmine. She just graduated in business from NTU and will be starting work soon. So, which means she's going to be very busy. No time for parents. So last of all, myself and my wife, we are now considered empty nester. Alright, so that's about myself. Now, this month is Outreach Month, and we heard from Brother Joseph Chen on the hospitable God, and last week from Pastor Anthony sharing on witness and evangelism. So today, it is the turn of COSC, which stands for Christian Outreach and Social Concern. Time to share. I'd like to take a rather unusual path in my sharing today, and I hope this sharing will also help you in the reflection and if God is willing for each of you to take a step of faith in the area of service. Come, let us pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you, our God and Redeemer. Amen. Now, today I'd like to start by asking this question. What is the best detective story that you have come across, either in print or on screen? Now, if you are my generation, you'll probably say Sherlock Holmes or Agatha Christine. For the younger one, most of you will point to CSI, Crime Scene Investigation, right? Well, let's use the CSI example. In a typical plot, at the crime scene, police are looking for evidence, and sometimes it looks obvious who committed it. However, we do like suspense and good shows, or book do have a good plot line. Usually, the main, main character, the detective, because of his background on previous cases, is sometimes not convinced of the physical evidence and question the motive of this crime. And he or she will go on to discover in convoluted ways who did it and the real motive behind it, keeping us in suspense in the seat all the time. Wow! Wouldn't that be that be interesting that we can find such a plot in the Bible. Maybe. Today, I'd like to use the passage concerning the parable of the sower found in all three synoptic gospels. I shall read the one from Matthew, uh, Matthew 13, 1-9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. The whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprung up, and since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced a grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ear, 
Let him hear. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. First, for those who have read the bulletin or saw the title of today's sharing, you may be puzzled about what is PSI. Well, it has nothing to do with a pollution standard index or PSI reading. Nothing hazy. Make a guess. Alright, it is my makeup term for parable scene investigation. Yes, this is a pun on a CSI. Alright, so now, we are going to investigate the scene or the parable of the sower. We are all familiar with this passage, and it's sometimes in use in the context of mass evangelism. To some of us though, this parable tells us exactly the result of sharing the gospel. Some accept, some don't. Some are fruitful, some are not. Pretty straightforward, right? Well, I've titled today's uh, sharing, PSI, the motive of the sower. Now, let's bring out our magnifying glass. glass. I'm still old school, no special equipment, and see what this parable is all about. Now, if you ask me what this parable of the sower is all about some 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, I would say this is about the result of sharing the gospel. Some will choose Jesus, others will not. Nothing strange about it. However, I also mentioned that sometime, because of some background or case experience, you may change your perspective, just like the CSI detective case. So in this case, what is this parable all about? Well, one thing that puzzles me about this parable was the motive of the sower that Jesus had in mind. I did not think that he was just referring to the result of preaching. Something was rather strange. Well, my perspective of this plot and motive changed some six years ago, just before I joined AMKMC. You see, I work as a full-time volunteer on a farm that was run by a Christian welfare organization. The aim was to provide training opportunity to youth with special needs, as well as ex-offender. Yes, I was an engineer turned farmer. I became familiar with modern agriculture, I had separate, several puzzling questions on this parable and the motive. Some of which were like, first, a field full of rocks and thorns. As a practice, you are supposed to clear this before you start planting. Second, where is the plowing before sowing? Is it possible that in, Egypt, in Israel, in Jesus' time, they use, they use a different method, sowing and then plowing? Maybe. Third, seeds seems to be landing on a walk park, walking path, rocky ground, and way, way beyond the right places. We have a term for this if we were in the army before. We call it Bobo King, cannot throw straight or shoot straight. Fourth, you usually, you usually drop a spew seed here and there along where you walk. Seed costs money. In fact, if you ask me, I'll say this is the parable of a rich farmer. Alright, so that's the background which I feel that something was wrong. Taken all this together, this was my uh moment. What am I to understand in life? It seems it's not telling you in the Bible and what it says. Am I reading and understanding the Bible correctly? Well, when we face with difficulty with such biblical question, we need to ask God and ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten us to help us understand our uh situation. 
I turn to well-informed sources to find an answer to my question. Now let's see some of the solutions that various scholars have proposed and what we can learn from it. First thing to consider, what is the plowing and sowing practice of Jesus' time? Is there anything that scholar has taken note in the plowing practice? Well, yes, a number. IVP New Testament Commentary In a field like the one in Jesus' parable, to plow up the soil before sowing, this was a frequent practice in ancient Israel. Later literature, however, repeatedly speaks of plowing after sowing. Farmers who knew their field felt comfortable sowing first, then plowing the seed to the ground. That was IBP. Other scholars contended that both practices occurred at the same time. This includes uh, scholars like Jeremiah, Knight, and Pate. In other words, you can plow and sow or sow and plow. No difference. However, it does not explain everything to me. Why are, why are there still rocks and thorns in the field? So, I ponder about it, and here's my opinion and solution to the plowing practice. You don't need to agree with me. The parable is not referring to the open white field, but pathway where the oxen cannot go and where human effort is required. Bottom line, a farmer, to ensure the biggest crop, will scatter seed, leftover seeds along these leftover areas. The seed will end up on the hard pathway, rocky or thorny areas. Finally, he will cover up the areas as much as possible using a modern day equipment like a chunko. Of course, missing out a fair amount of seed. This seems to be a reasonable motive of the sower. One issue resolved. Now, the second thing to consider. The parable, is it to demonstrate the abundance grace of God? Well, scholar Frederick H. Bosch in his article, Waste and Grace, the parable of the sower, believes this parable is about the fact that one is expected to experience both grace and waste in life. Interesting, but does not explain a lot. Now, here again is my opinion of how this parable demonstrates the grace of God. Now, before this parable was spoken, Jesus had denounced city, including Capernaum, uh, for their unrepentance in Matthew 11. Now, the location of this parable is shared, that is shared is beside the sea, likely to be the, the tiny con- corner where Capernaum is located, where Jesus spent 60 to 70 time of his ministry time. Therefore, I think Jesus is telling those in the vicinity that God is demonstrating grace to this tiny little corner of world where it has rejected many of the miracles and signs that were performed there. And this perhaps illustrates the last opportunity to repent and that their choice is theirs. Now, the third thing to con- consider, the cryptic phrase, he who has ears, let him hear. What is Jesus trying to hint here? To this, I like to turn to Great Bill, my go-to scholar for new tea used in Old Testament. Well, you see, Bill has an interesting way to put things. In the Old Testament, when you hear the phrase internal organ malfunction is mentioned, it usually refers to sin, idolatry. Therefore, when years barely hear, eyes that could not see, or hearts 
are dumb. They are all symptoms of sin. Jesus was simply putting it nicely in this passage when he said, He who has ears, let him hear and let the audience decide for themselves. Okay? And now scholar, scholar Robinson in his article, The Motive of Deafness and Blindness in Isaiah 6, 9 to 10, simple, uh, similarly asserted that the motive of deafness or blindness is a metaphor for spiritual condition that, one, is brought on by the people themselves, two, comprises the judgment of God, that three, will ultimately be rectified by God's God himself in that day of salvation. I agree with both Bill and Robinson on this point. The phrase, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, is an allusion to sin and that repentance is required. I think this better explains the motive that Jesus has about the sower. We use the term QED, quite easy proof, but not really in this case. So in summary, the context of this parable, or PSI, is only for the inhabitants of the city where Jesus has spent most of his time in ministry around the northern shore of Lake Sea of Galilee. They have not turned to him, despite the miracles and teaching that he had performed there. However, God continues to show his grace to this little speck of land, like the corner where Jesus points to in this parable, Sin, like idolatry, remains the issue, and repentance is called for at individual level. Now, how does this parable apply to the audience? Well, Jesus is asking the uh, audience, pointing to the uh, corner of the field where the sower has just cast the seed. Who do you want to be? You can be the no-soil region, the soil in the rocky area, thorny area, or the good soil. The choice is yours. And if you choose to be the good soil, God is the one that causes growth 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Essentially, what this parable is really trying to tell us is not about the result of sharing the gospel, but it is Jesus giving you and me, us, a choice to follow Jesus and be a disciple. Yes, the message is about discipleship, not the result of mass evangelism. Unless we forget Jesus' last command, or what we commonly call to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18-20, what was the main point of this command? Well, it's not about proclaiming the gospel, the good news, as I always thought a long time ago. The main verb and the trust of this command is about making disciples, so Jesus, yes, Jesus was consistent in his message and motive. So now we have clarified the motive. We now turn to the application of this message. What does it mean to be a disciple? Which is the second part of this sharing. Now, the, the simple answer to this, the requirement of discipleship is simple. Deny yourself, carry a cross and follow him. A lot of us are practical people. And the follow up question is, what does it mean to follow or do what? I like to suggest a simple answer. Practice the spiritual discipline. And since this is COSC Sunday, one of discipline directly, directly connected to the application of this practice is the spiritual discipline of service. Now, interestingly, 
This is also the discipline that comes least to mind when I did a survey in my discipleship to class, which I'm co-facilitating. I think the shining example for us when we talk think about service is the late Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who founded an organization that helped the poor. Or closer to home, we remember Dr. Tan Layong of HealthServe. How should we go about practicing service? Well, various experts in the field of spiritual formation has their list, but I like the one by Richard J. Foster from his book, The Celebration of Discipline. This is also happens to be part of the weekly syllabus in Disciple 2 that I just mentioned, and soon will also be part of the training curriculum for cell ministry CG leaders. Briefly, the discipline includes prayer, Meditation, fasting, study, simplicity, solitude, submission, confession, worship, guidance, celebration, and service. I shall borrow some thoughts from Richard Foster on how true service is to be compared with self-righteous service. First, true service comes from a relationship with divine God rather than self rather than self-righteous service that comes through human effort. Secondly, true service find it almost impossible to distinguish the small and large services. Self-righteous service is impressed only with a big deal. Third, true service rests contented in hiddenness, whereas self-righteous service looks for external reward. Fourth, Self-service is indiscriminate in its ministry, whereas self-righteous service picks and chooses whom to serve. Fifth, true service is a lifestyle, whereas self-righteous service is temporarily. And last, true service builds community, whereas self-righteous service fractures the community. Now, now that we all know all this, the burning question some of you may have is, where can I serve in church that touch the community of the needy? Well, I like to present two areas. First, our tuition program, and second, the senior activity center, which we partner with MWS. First, a bit of our tuition program. We currently have about 60 students, ranging from K1 all the way to SEC4. Tuition for K1 to P6 are conducted on Saturdays and secondary level for various streams like Express, Normal Academic, and Normal Tech, are conducted on Wednesday and Thursday evening. Our preferred mode is on-site tuition, but we'll move online if the situation arises. We are always on the lookout for tutors, and you can go to our website, www.amkmc.org.sg to find out more info, but more importantly, to sign up as a volunteer tutor. Our motivation in this ministry is building up interpersonal relationship with students, a bond that stretches to not just students, but also the family and friends. We also attempt to hold regular meetup sessions with family, with the student family whenever possible. Now I'd like to share a bit more using the testimony of Matthew, one of our tutors. Now, Matthew started as a student in our tuition program many years back. 
he has since graduated and now studying at NUS. He felt a desire to contribute back to the program and came back to serve as a tutor at the primary level. Not only that, his sister, Michelle, who was also a student in the tuition program, also came back to serve. In fact, now, Matthew brought along one of his friends to serve alongside him. You can now call Matthew Brother Andrew, the Andrew who brought Peter to see Jesus. Now, one of the tutors that taught Matthew in the tuition program is still in the tuition program. The connection we built is truly God-given opportunity. It's wonderful to see the uh, community relationship that has been built up to serve God. We hope you can come alongside us in this tuition program, not as a task, but truly to show that we love our neighbors and continue to build relationship and share the love of God with those around us. Next, our Senior Activity Center. This is a partnership we started in 2016. Now, AMK is one of the mature towns with many seniors, and the government is aware of the many needs and challenges that isolated seniors face. The goal of SAC is to create a kampong spirit of seniors helping each other. I think most of you are aware of reluctance of seniors to get vaccinated, some of them. And I'd like to share a story of how the SAC and a volunteer who is a member of a church contributed to this area. This happened recently when they, uh, when a call went out by the government to get, to convince seniors to get vaccinated. The following is from Doris, who is the center manager. Quote, the senior didn't want to be vaccinated. I convinced her to go for vaccination and told her that I would get a volunteer to accompany her. I then spoke to Serene and asked if she would accompany a senior for vaccination. Serene gladly agreed to take up the assignment. Serene and the senior didn't know each other before the first vaccination. After the first vaccination, the senior was so comfortable with Serene that she looked forward to Serene accompanying her for the second vaccination. In between the two vaccinations, whenever the senior sees Serene, when, she, uh, when Serene is volunteering at the center, she is happy. It's such a heartwarming case of loving a neighbor. Unquote. Yes, it is such a heartwarming ex, uh, story. The SAC right now is restarting the community befriending project that the government is also assigning two blocks to the SAC. This befriending project involves volunteers going on a regular uh, door knocking or calling on assigned elderly each week to find out how they are and to keep in contact with them for referral. It is hope for us in COSC that cell groups can adopt a few level each in these two blocks to start befriending and to check on the elderly. Training as well as live situational door knocking will be provided. Feel free to contact me if yourself is interested to be part of the program to build community and demonstrate our love to our neighbors. Now, these are indeed, there are indeed many opportunities to demonstrate service in discipleship. And these are just two of the examples for you to consider. As a close, I'd like to do a quick recap. The parable of sower is about discipleship. 
And one of the areas that we can uh, demonstrate is through the spiritual discipline of service. Inside our church, we have two areas that you can serve, the tuition ministry as well as the SAC. Now, a few years back, Pastor Melvin played this song or sang this song, Doobie, doobie, do. Yes, to be a disciple is to do. Or if you remember the disciple series as part of the churchwide program a few years back or so, this is who we are. This is what we do. Come, let us pray. Lord, as we reflect on the sharing today and the call to discipleship, let us think about home with a heart that we can continue to pick up the areas of service. Let us take the step of faith to follow you and indeed to remember to be a disciple is to do. Amen.